Hi, it's Chris Watkin here, and I'm joined by Tony Ruby, a long-established estate agent from Grantham in Lincolnshire, who, at the age of how old? 45. 45, has decided to up sticks from his very well-paid job, um, valuing big agent in town, big market share, and setting up his own estate agency. So what I want to do today, Tony, is talk about your story of why you became an estate agent, the ups and the downs, and what's led you to decide that you want to start your own estate agency. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to become an estate agent? I think ironically it goes back to probably when I was a newspaper boy who used to deliver newspapers to a very known, well-known estate agent in Sleaford. I used to put the, let it, uh, the newspaper through the door, it was a free newspaper, so I used to do it week in, week out. And I was always intrigued by what was going on behind the door. Um, the reality is I didn't get into a state agency until I was almost 30 years old. Okay, what did you do before then then? So I um, Left school and went to college in Grantham in 1992. Had three years there. Started working on the, uh, on weekends and evenings at Morrison's in Grantham in the Isaac Newson Centre there. Worked with some fantastic people. Gave me a really good indication as to what your proper work ethic looked like. I was sort of doing two nights a week and a full day Saturday. And I really started a job so I could start to learn to drive and buy a car. Uh, I was at college in Grantham as well. So my social circle started to move Grantham way. Um, and, and it was a great foundation to be able to sort of go to work every, you know, a couple of nights a week. And when there was holidays on, I'd go and work extra and do more hours to earn more money. Why do you love Grantham so much that you haven't moved away? It's always been home. <clears throat> I was born in the hospital in 1976. Um, I think there's a lot of people who live in Grantham who perhaps don't give it the credit it deserves. But for me as a family man living in the area, having a family of my own, a young family of my own, schooling was a great attraction. Um, there's the obvious things like the transport links. I think you could do a lot worse for, for okay. locations to call home. So you, you, you're at college. What courses were you doing at college? Ha, I did a travel and tourism course. Okay. And I also did business and finance okay. uh, in BTEC. So you did your three years there. What, what happened after that? So um, I think typically, because I had a job, I kind of ended up falling into a full-time position with Morrison's. Uh, there was an opportunity to do a management trainee course, which I applied for. Apparently it's one of those things where there's like 900 applicants and only 27 positions. I was lucky enough to secure one. Um, it was a proper full-on 60-hour week and taking home £8,000 a year. And um, you know, we were learning some really key skills and understanding the, the detail of retail. And, um, but it just wasn't quite for me, you know, it was sort of a very um, intrusive time because I just started Sunday opening as well, so you'd find yourself often doing seven days a week as a young man playing football, enjoying perhaps nights out with, uh, with friends and stuff, and it just didn't quite fit for me. Um, and then uh, I, was, I got friendly with a guy called uh, Paul, who I'm still good friends with now, and he'd just uh, seen a, an opportunity to go down to what used to be the Swallow Hotel on Swingbridge Road uh, for, for Curry's, the electrical superstore who were moving from the High Street premises down to the London Road site, which of course is now Marks and Spencer's Food Hall. Okay, so you went to work for Curry then? <coughs> yeah, that's right. Selling microwaves and ovens? and Microwaves, dishwashers, you know, the first iPods, you know, video cameras, which are significantly bigger than these things here, computers, which were two and a half grand. Yeah, it was a, it was a really great time. Uh, so we went there as a, as a new store opening, which was a very exciting thing. Um, it's a 
pretty much a new team. There was probably 25% of the existing team from the High Street branch. Made some fantastic friendships there. One of them was my best man when I got married six years ago. Um, so still great. So how old were you, were you when you <coughs> when you went into Curry's? I would have been 20, 21, in fact, just before my 21st birthday. Okay. And how long were you there? Uh, I had six and a half years, seven years okay. with Curry's. Oh, uh, oh. Worked my way up the ladder to deputy manager number one, which was just above deputy manager number two. So it was three management in the in the branch. Um, and really enjoyed my time there. What did you learn there that, that, that you, you were able to bring into a state agency later on? I think for me, it was quite clear when I was talking to customers, <clears throat> they didn't want selling to. They wanted, they wanted advice, they wanted guidance, they wanted help. You know, that you're stood in front of a TV wall where there's everything from 14 inch down to 36 inch, if you like, was the biggest at the time. And, and you know, these great big units and varying different price points. People wanted help to decide what they thought would be best for their lounge at that point. And the same could be applied for a washing machine or any other electrical product. So for me, it was about getting a good knowledge of the range, understanding what uh, the benefits would be to a prospective client, and then trying to fit something in with their budget. Okay, so how did a washing machine salesman turn into an estate agent? Well, an opportunity arose. Um, Curry's at the time used to be every Saturday, day off in the week, and, and one Sunday in three or four. Um, but they started to bring in a contract, which was five out of seven rolling contract, which meant that you would be working five, seven, five days on, obviously out of the seven, and two days off would probably be Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, I was a 23, 24, 25 year old young man. You like football. your football, yeah, you love your football. Because you follow, follow Lincoln, don't you? Yeah, I do, Lincoln City through and through. And that's been a 40 year love affair, not always good. Um, but it's been a, it's, yeah, it was, for me it was, it was a, awkward decision to make because I really love the people, I really love the place. Fantastic um, environment and, and a great camaraderie. Um, Christmases were hard work but lots of fun. And, and in my mind I wanted to do something which gave me a little bit more freedom at weekends. So I um, applied to work um, in various different manufacturing, sort of white goods manufacturers, one of them being Whirlpool, Whirlpool UK. I think now they've been bought out by Indesit who own Hotpoint and various others. Um, their head office was down in Croydon, uh, but they wanted a territory trainer, uh, really, sort of a sales manager, an area sales manager, covering Lincolnshire, right down to sort of Northamptonshire and Warwickshire. Um, but it meant that I could have my weekends, you know, and, and I could go out and I could deliver training to the large uh, electrical retailers like Curry's Powerhouse, there's a name we've, we've forgotten about, Comet, another name we've forgotten about, um, but also build relationships with independent electrical retailers. Um, so several in Sleep, uh, Sleaford and Grantham, for example, like Brewer and Allen and Castle Dines in Sleaford. Uh, and you'd be really be sort of trying to build a relationship so you could gain more um, shop floor space for your appliances to stand. Okay. Uh, at this time, had you met your wife at this, by this time? No, no, not yet. Not so yet. you're young, free and single, ready to mingle. Yeah. And, um, uh, you, or you had, your, I think you had a previous partner, didn't you? Yeah. So, so what, how, how did that, how did that, again, so you're now advising people how to do sell washing machines how long were you at that that job with within the set before you moved across probably for three and a half four years um it got to a point where the area sales management team had been created and there was 13 positions across the country but there wasn't really a stepping stone into national sales or national account management uh, there was a key account manager position came up and and it was very much something that i was interested in um, so i decided to you know put my heart on the sleeve and say yes I'm, I'm in for that. Uh, it would have meant probably relocating down to London at the time to Croydon area 
um, which wasn't a problem. I saw that as being quite an exciting opportunity. And what I found was that um, there was two people at the sales team that went for it, and I got a second interview uh, along with another person who happened to be part of the IT department at Croydon on Purley Way, uh, and they got the position. Uh, and I think, I think they got the position because the IT department was being sort of shut down and moved on and was being outsourced. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Yeah, I, I, was, I was gutted. Um, I think like anything, whenever you go after a job, you put your heart and soul into it, you make sure you're prepared right, you make sure you do your damnedest on the day to give it, you know, give it your all. Uh, I thought I'd done particularly well, particularly get to the second interview stage because there was only two of us that got that far. Um, and yeah, it left a little bit of a taste. You think, well, I can't really see the way forward now. Um, it sort of put the light at the end of the tunnel. It really put the, a blanket over it. Okay, so what did you do next? This is where it comes back to the estate agency. I'd started to sort of think about, okay, and, and explore a little bit more about estate agency. For me, it was something that was, um, I suppose, in my mind, was one of these things that you need to be well-educated, you need to be, you need certain qualifications to be able to get into a position. And I just started sort of researching on what estate agency positions are out there. <clears throat> now, at the time, what I did is I wrote to probably 10 or 11 agents. What year was this? This would be 2004. Five, six sort of time. Okay, so the market was quite flying along quite yeah, nicely. It was then. good, it was good, yeah. It was very okay. good. 2000, late 2006, I would have thought it would have been actually. Yeah, so, been were you looking at other industries or was it just this natural, this this thing at the back of your mind just fl flicking you? For me, it was kind of what I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it now and I need to try and make this happen now. And this all came back from you delivering leaflets? The newspapers, newspapers yeah, yeah. The free newspaper to, the, to this particular office every week and that's why I ended up working as I um, and um, as a young man growing up, <coughs> there's a guy a couple of doors down who's now a very good surveyor um, who, who worked for them at the time and I think he's now in the surveying department. I think he may well be uh, back there. Uh, and he used to turn up for his lunch and you know, sort of pull up in this smart looking car and I was probably, like I said, five or six years younger than him, I should think. You sort of look at him and think, oh, I've got that look at that. So again, there was a little seed set as a young man. And uh, what I decided to do was write to uh, 10 or 11 agents sent my CV along with it as well um, and, and waited for the phone to ring and it didn't <laughs> until one day out of the blue I had this call and it just sort of said look uh, we've got your CV um, I'd like to sit down and talk to you if that's all right um, can you come over to, to Lincoln it was uh, so I went over to Lincoln and met with this guy and we had a good chat and he sort of said yeah I think you can do something um, six months later so I started out as a negotiator Six months later, I got several letters back from some of the other agencies, sort of saying that they didn't think I was a you know, personality-wise an ideal fit for a state agency. Had so they met you though? No. no. Strange. Isn't and at it? this point, I was listing and listing well. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, um, you know, maybe that's uh, one, of those, one of those one of those people actually is a, you know, is a good friend of mine. I've been on many trips with, and we've always had a little bit of a laugh about it. So. Okay. So you were with this with a, this agent, an independent or a corporate? Yeah, a regional independent. Okay. And um, you were out, so you were negging, and then all of a sudden you were about, you were now listing. Yeah, the, the next role was interesting. I, I start, I don't, I, I can honestly say, I don't think it was something that sort of just completely got my, my fire burning bright. You know, it was great fun, again, great people, really busy, vibrant office with, you know, significant numbers of negotiators in there. So you would have sort of a bit of hot desking and, and upstairs for a bit of sales progression. Um, <clears throat> and I'd, I'd heard whispers that um, there was three values at this particular branch, that one was going, one was leaving, you know, it, was, it, was, it was going out the door. So I thought, well, what have I got to lose? I might as well just 
throw my hat in the ring and just tell them I'd be interested if they'd give me some consideration. I didn't know if it was the right thing to do, but I thought what if it what it did do is it showed my intention. Um, so I threw my hat in the ring and uh, I what think year was this? This would be 2007, okay. uh, late 2007. Okay. Um, so I threw my hat in the ring and I start. I sort of said that this is what I'd really like to do. I'd seen the value as really as being a negotiator, as kind of being these people, I suppose, maybe had this awesome job of... <laughs> they basically swat, they swan in, yeah. don't they? And then you see them all day and then they come back yeah. and they've had been sit down with cups yeah. of tea, haven't the they? The morning meeting would kind of be, you know, we'd be in this really busy office. There'd be plenty of negotiators who were shouting up the deals and everything else and what they were working on. And, the, you know, these valuers were wandering and it was like they were riding in on some white horse and they'd got all the next listings to sell and what they were going to put on the market that day. And I just looked at it and thought, you know what, I, I can see how that, you know, with the skills I've developed with working for things like Whirlpool, and I think also for Courage as well, were very transmissible into that particular role. And uh, I, I sort of I threw my hat in the ring and I was lucky enough, for, I think probably by chance, to just happen to be the most mature one in the office. It, and I mean in age, probably not in mindset, but in age. And they probably felt that it was, if they were gonna give anybody a go, I was perhaps the, the best fit. You know, most of the other people in the office may well have been younger to me by maybe between four and 10 years maybe. Um, so it, it, probably by chance and by luck, I went out valuing or training to value um, with a phenomenal operator um, who is still in the estate agency industry based at Lincoln Way. And um, he just gave me a different insight into how things were done because I think when I went into the training role, sorry, the, the negotiator role, there wasn't really a lot of training. It was kind of, here's a phone, here's a computer, crack on. Um, but with, um, with this guy, and I'll give him a shout out, Rob Beaumont, he was fantastic. He, he took me out and we really spent you know, a good couple of weeks um, just watching uh, and, and learning and making loads of notes and just reading through the notes at the end of every day. And he had a certain demeanor about himself which just sort of gave me an insight into what I needed to sort of portray myself to when I was with these prospective sellers. Describe that demeanour to me. Super professional, very approachable, and uh, someone who came across with exceptional knowledge. And I think clients bought into him because they felt like they were in really safe hands. What else did you learn not to do with, that, with, with Rob? I, I think what Rob was very good at doing was making sure that you sort of understood what was exactly expected of you when you were meeting these clients in their homes. Um, I think Rob would also be the one who probably opened my eyes to the small things in life, like making sure you take your shoes off at the door, or at least making that offer, particularly on a wet day, um, you know, and, and breaking the ice with people. You know, I think, again, I've seen it all too often where people go through the door and it's almost straight into this, well, rehearsed sales pitch if you like something that you could almost do with your eyes shut um, I think what Rob really gave me a good insight into was that you know getting somebody comfortable in that first 10 minutes and talking to them openly about the weather and the pets and the dog and the family and everything else is probably the most important 10 minutes you'll spend in that appointment and the rest of it kind of follows on from suit from there really um, so I think Rob was very good at sort of pointing out what probably most of us would consider to be the way of doing it how isn't always the way to do it okay so that you got let loose and you, uh, you off you were in 2007 then the property market crashed in 2008 what mm. happened then well it was interesting and in 2007 i was valuing in, in in and i suppose as the third valuer in this really busy office but i was turning results somebody then left at the sleaford branch 
and that then seemed to be this opportunity for me to go there. It was this you know, nice spectral pasture that was given out at the time. So, <clears throat> you know, so it just seemed to be like a, you know, a natural step for me. It was an area I knew particularly well. Because um, you lived there, had you moved yeah, to Yeah, I lived there, yeah, and, and I grew up there for complete com uh, clarity. Um, so it was an area that I was you know, well known and, and you know, bought a house in Sleaford as well because at the time when I bought my first house, uh, Sleaford was about 20% cheaper than Grantham. Mm. Um, and whilst I was working at Curry's, I could, I could stick the 25 minute journey in the car every morning and every evening um, without shackling this massive mortgage around my neck or what was perceived to be a massive mortgage mm. at the time. But so, yeah, so this opportunity came up and I was going to be a sole valuer in a branch. And that was a bit of a, a coup, coup as well because that meant that every listing that came on was yours. Um, obviously in an office where there's three of you listing, you know, obviously you only get exchange commission on the one that you've listed. Um, so all of a sudden to have all exchange commission coming my way was again quite an attractive thing. And we listed really, really well, really, really well. I remember months of listing 35, 40 and, and more. Um, but what became evident to me as somebody still relatively new to the industry was that the market was a bit topsy-turvy. You know, we've got these home information packs available, which I don't know if you remember them. Um, that meant that you know, if you had a four-bedroomed house and you came on the market before a certain date in June, you didn't have to have any you know, home information pack costing four or five hundred quid. So this deluge of four-bedroomed houses came on the market midway through 2007, which added to what was already a difficult marketplace. Anyway, the same happened with three beds and, and every other property later in the year. And as we went into 2008, and I was in this position, you know, it became very clear to me that the, the breaks were coming on. You know, there was lots of new listings, but not so many selling. And of course, then things went really wrong uh, in the housing market. And I found myself then coming out of the branch I was in because one of the uh, partners was going to take up a front-facing valuing role, um, which meant that my position wasn't you know, needed there. So I was then moved over to Grantham and worked with some fantastic people in the Grantham office there on Watergate. Um, and and again, the market just seemed to grind to a halt almost overnight. You know, I remember three bedroom semis on Sunningdale making 145 and it felt like overnight they were making 113. It was a complete shutdown really. And again, they started looking at the, the structure of staff in these offices. <clears throat> so I was then given the opportunity to go and work in, in the rental division. Um, dare I say a department in that particular company at the time, which had always been a little bit of a comical arm of the company. You know, it kind of existed but didn't make any money. You know, it was a, strange place but I ended up working in the rental department <coughs> with two or three uh, people I'd worked with in the sales offices and we just started to apply I think simple sales skills but into the lettings environment so if we've got stuff that wasn't moving let's speak to the landlord about a reduction you know, because if we can get a turnover of property we we're going to start seeing a greater income. Coming back to the money, did, was the money important to you? Was that what motivated you at the time? Not now, mm. at the time. I do, I do remember a conversation when I took the office in Sleaford, the opportunity in Sleaford, talking about what their average value was earning. And I remember thinking, wow, big time. <laughs> you know, this is the big time. Um, but I think as time has worn on, that's not been my primary goal. I think making sure the journey of the client has been... Okay. Kind of more, let's come back to 0708. Okay, we'll come on more to what, where you are now. But at the time, was money important to you? Yeah, I think to any younger person it certainly is. Okay. So you, you went into the lettings department mm -hmm. and you adopted some sales techniques. Did that work? 
It did. We started to see better turnover every month. Um, it grew and grew. We were attracting landlords, and don't get me wrong, some of it was gifted landlords, I suppose, from the sales office where they got stuff that wasn't selling and the you know, property was empty perhaps, so we'd perhaps be given you know, a few listings that way. Um, but I think what we also were able to do was connect with local landlords and they could see that we were successful in what we were doing. Uh, and, and we picked up new landlords who were perhaps, because you know, that marketplace was brilliant if you were cash rich. You, know, you could get a fantastic buy on a three bedroom semi that'll let all day long, um, not worry too much about the mortgage and, and see a significant return out of it, of course, compared to the bank. I mean, normally if you let a valuer anywhere near, a, let a sales valuer anywhere near the lettings department, things go tits up. That's a technical, technical term. Mm. Um, how did you get around your head that you need to be detail orientated and get everything, you know, because you have to be in lettings? I was lucky. I worked with some fantastic people who probably covered that up for me. Um, you know, people like Sue, people like Sharon, um, Joe Nichols were, were just fantastic around me as a support team. Um, also, Sarah as well, who looked after the account side of the business. You know, were forever. You know, head down, working hard, looking after maintenance, looking after accounts, looking after all the sort of compliance aspects, if you like. And it really allowed me to go out and be a valuer, um, but leading this kind of lettings team or being the, the face of the lettings team, if you like. Were you not looking at the sales department wishing that you were on that side of the fence? I could see how difficult it was on the sales side at the time. I was just thankful to be still employed, I, I dare say. I don't think I did anything where I sort of thought my job was ever at risk, <clears throat> but um, I could see how difficult it was on the sales side at the time and how you know, difficult conversations were having to be had with sellers. It's about getting the price right, getting it down in price. A lot of stuff, you know, probably lost anywhere between 15 and 20 percent. Uh -huh. um, so, I mean, we're not talking about small reductions here. And it, it, it was really what you had to do in that marketplace as a sales agent is understand who was motivated, who needed to move, what was their reason for moving, where are they going, is it a relative move, i.e. we're selling for less money so we're going to be buying for less money, or is it selling out the market altogether where, of course, you're going to feel that financial hit. So um, I was looking over there at some great people who were yeah, finding it pretty damn hard, I should expect. You know, and, and were you kind of glad that you were on the letting side? I think it gave me a different, it, it put a different feather in my cap, it gave me a different aspect to, to look at in terms of estate agency. Lettings was exciting, it was quick, it was fast-paced, um, probably helped by working with a great group of people um, because I can imagine you know, that lettings okay. per se, if not working with the right people, can be pretty damn hard. So this is 08, 09 through to 10. Yeah. Why aren't you still a letting agent now? What happened then? Um, there was a restructure at the time. Um, I remember being in my office in Sleaford and there was rumour and talk of perhaps uh, lettings going central into Lincoln, uh, whereas I used to look after Sleaford, Grantham and Boston, so sort of South Lincolnshire. And I, I sort of asked the question to one of the partners at the time, the junior partners, I said, I've got a funny feeling I need to be slightly concerned about my position here. And their exact words still ring in my ears now, even though it's 11 years on, Tony, you never need to worry about your position with us. So I made my way to Lincoln. <clears throat> oh, yeah, it was it was a tough thing because um, only a few months beforehand I'd met my, my now wife. Um, you know, she was living over towards Melbourne Mowbray. Of course, spending time together, but getting to Lincoln every morning was kind of you know, challenging enough in its own respect. Lincoln's not an easy place to get into the centre of on a morning, a work morning. And um, one Friday, <clears throat> November the 25th, 
2010. About five o'clock in the evening on Friday, the door swings open, and in walks the junior partner. And um, I thought this is a bit odd, um, and, and basically made me redundant there and then. Uh, so I was put on you know, leave for a month, if you like. You know, um, I was employed, I suppose, technically till the end of December. And the, the immediate thought was complete panic. What were you? What was going through your head on that on your journey home that night? I was in tears, I was shocked, I was angry, I was, I, I felt, I felt, I felt completely like I let myself down, like I let my missus down, family down. Okay. How did you turn it around? Well, um, I'd spoken to a couple of people who worked for my existing employer <clears throat> and asked if they could have words with a few people. And they did, and I met up with a couple of people. You know, one who's got a very, very successful office in Newark. Um, we sat down for a couple of hours, and and he, he, he wanted to help, but it, it was kind of a position where you'd be. They were in a tough position as well. Yeah, they? of course they were in a very tough position. They, you know, they'd got this other opportunity. Perhaps they could put my way, but it would probably have been sort of a viewing coordinator and, and the rest of it. Did you did you feel a failure? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, been me, there myself. I've been there myself. You, you feel, what have I done wrong? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. I, 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 I don't know if it's, it's absolutely nailed on medically. I think it pushed me into depression. Okay. December was really hard that year. It was the year where uh, temperatures were kind of like down at minus 10 for what felt oh, like three I months. Oh, remember, yeah. And um, I remember going to sort of... Um, uh, business link had like a training day in Grantham and I, I remember driving in it was minus 14 and sitting in this room and these people were sort of talking about setting up their own business and I was thinking I just don't know if I've, I don't know if I've got that in me you know I was kind of looking at these people and they were all very supportive and it was it was a, it was a good good thing to sort of expose myself to my biggest fear was if I didn't have a job by the end of the calendar year who would be paying me at the end of January because you know I didn't have money to okay. back myself up come January I had, at the time, obviously bills to pay of the usual household expenses. What support did you get from Sarah, your now wife? She was fantastic. She always is. She just completely supports me in everything that we choose to do or I choose to do. Um, I think she also, she doesn't suffer fools. She's also very good at sort of, you know, okay, let's stop this mithering here. Let's get on with what we're going to do next. So she was a complete rock. <clears throat> you know, she'd be very, very supportive and very, very sort of accepting of where the position was at. She never gets down on things. You know, so she was. She's been a fantastic, you know, moral boost. She's been a fantastic pillar of support. She's been, well, more than you could ever wish for as a as a as a chap, as a chap growing up. You said you feared that you weren't going to pay the mortgage at the end of January. What was going through your head? What can I sell? To, to make ends meet, what can I, what can I get rid of? What have I got that's of any value? Okay. So you were 34, 35 at this point, 33, 34. Yeah, 30, 35. Yeah. Okay. 35, 35, yeah. What, what, what turned it around? What, sorry, what was the first thing that, what was the catalyst, or what <clears> happened <throat> that you actually said this is not the end of the world? I had a couple of conversations with people out of the blue. <clears throat> um, guy from a very well-known corporate agency got in touch completely out of the blue and said that he might have an opportunity, might be in Grantham, 
might be this, might be that, might be the other. Would, would I be interested in meeting to have a chat? You know, this was probably something like I, you know, 10th of December, I dare say. So you're thinking, well, who's going to employ somebody in December for a start? Um, but we met up in Leicester, uh, in their High Street branch, well, their, their, their branch in Leicester. And we sat down with himself and also the region, so the area director, the regional director. We talked a bit about myself, we talked a bit about what I'd done, where I'd been. Um, and it turned out they had a position which happened to be in Grantham. And uh, it was a valuing role or a lister role, as they call it, in that particular company. And, you know, actually the package, you sort of look at it now and I, I kind of had to pinch myself a little bit. It was kind of, you know, this immediate offering that was put in front of me was kind of like, mm, pretty good. You know, I'm kind of working these numbers in my head thinking, that could work, you know. And, and um, the opportunity was to start on the 2nd of January. So it kind of dovetailed nicely, eventually it kind of all came together. <coughs> um, How did that make you feel? Well, it made me realise that whilst others might not have recognised what I could bring to that particular party, there were others out there who, like I said, I hadn't approached this person. They'd, they'd sort of like I said, found my number, got my number from somewhere. And I still don't know to the day how that conversation came about to, to end up speaking to me. Uh, but it made me realise that you know, people out there perhaps do fully appreciate some people and their skills and their experience. Um, so, so you know, I, I started work with them on the 2nd of January. 2011? 11, yeah. Okay. Did you know what you wanted to do with your life at this point, or were you just basically with Sarah? You weren't married at this point, were you? No, with we Sarah? weren't, no, no. Okay. Um, you were just getting on with life, taking each, each I, year I, as it comes? I think so. I think, I don't think... I don't think I had a clear direction on what I wanted to do. I think it was about, again, kind of perhaps working your way up that ladder, you know, looking at the corporate model, thinking, okay, well, let's see where we can get to, let's see what we can do. Um, so I think that was kind of probably the primary goal. Really just go to work, earn the money. If there's a, if there's a progression, I'll just yeah. get on the ladder yeah. like, you'd, like you did with the, with the washing machine yeah. manufacturers. Yeah. See where we can get to, really. Once the... Once you'd kind of, wor the, the worry about how am I going to pay my mortgage? I mean, 2011 was a tough market, but it was getting, it was not so bad as mm. 08, 09. Mm. How long were you at this agent for? You know, and, and when did you, when did you, when did the scales come back from your eyes where you think, actually, I want something a bit more than this? I was with them for two full calendar years. <clears throat> uh, I started my new position on the 2nd of January, 2013. Um, I think what became clear to me is that the two worlds of you know, regional sizable independent versus uh, corporate were slightly different beasts, slightly different animals to deal with. Um, greater amounts of downward pressure. And I know pressure builds diamonds, but I don't think that's always how to get the best out of everybody. Um, so that was the noticeable difference to me. It was, it was a- You weren't enjoying the corporate structure of the yeah i'm not sure it quite fits my okay so what was it very target orientated numbers stats hit your targets yeah yeah pat, pat on the head if you've been a good boy or girl well, yeah i would say i would say several things that stick out in my time from there the amount of pressure on at staff the amount of time i saw staff in tears in morning meetings was just not acceptable in my opinion um you know, nobody goes to work to be verbally beaten day in, day out, because they've not got enough mortgage appointments or they've not done this and not booked enough valuations and not booked enough sales. You know, these people were, dare I say, that they're all humans, aren't they? And we're all fragile in our own different ways. 
Um, and, I, and I think um, the problem, therefore, is that you don't get people who can sustain that every day and don't look forward to work every day. So they look for other opportunities. And therefore, the team I was working in was constantly changing. It was like a turnstile at the door. It felt like we were constantly in recruiting mode. Um, and I think it's very difficult, you know, being you know, football orientated and sports orientated particularly, I can't think of one successful sports team that has ever delivered success consistently where they're changing the players. And, and if you look at it in the same way with the state agency, I think it's very difficult to be successful when a vendor is ringing up one week and then three weeks later speaking to somebody completely different who hasn't got a clue who they are. Um, so the client journey for me was, was starting to ebb away there. It's starting to dilute. Um, I also had a few challenges with how it was structured. You know, at the time, as a lister, I was paid to put houses on the market. So every subcontract that was signed, I'd get paid commission, which was fantastic. But it also creates the wrong mindset because you're not going out there to give them advice to get that person necessarily sold. You're just trying to win the instruction. I sat in so many meetings where you were told, just get the contract signed. Yeah, don't care what price, get excited. Um, and and, what, and then we'll get the price down afterwards yeah. and we'll worry about that afterwards. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah, but at the time, I don't know if it's still the case at the time, you know, people were paid commissions to reduce prices. And I go, it doesn't fit right for me, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't, it's, not, it's not ethical in my opinion. Um, you know, in my opinion, it's about, you know, I'm going to be doing this job now for another 20 years or so in this area. I want to be able to walk down the high street. I want to be able to say hello to I want. I don't want to have to dive across the other side of the road. I think clients deserve a better journey. So 2013, you joined Newton and Yeah. Did they approach you or did you? It was interesting. Um, love Newton Farrell and, and, and always have. And um, what I remember of my later days, particularly with my previous employer to Newton Fallowell, is walking past the Newton Fallowell office, sort of looking at me, oh, yeah, I'd love to be there one day. There's so some great. Me. There's some great people there. You've got Gavin, yeah. who's on the front line. You've got, um, and and was Mark still in the business at this yeah, point? Yeah, Mark's still very much in the business, even actively today. You know, Mark and David Spatman, David yeah. Newton, Gavin, Gavin, great Stephen team. Binder, um, years of experience. You know, we've had, I've worked with some fantastic people there in the last eight and a half years as well. You know, who have perhaps not part of the team still. They've gone on to other things, still within the industry. Some not perhaps, but also some great people coming in recently, like Cal. Georgia, and, and you know, an unsung hero in that office is a lady called Sue, who's the administrator. You know, she pulls all this, pulls it all together. Really, you know, she kind of makes sure everything's sort of ticking along. Did you feel like you'd come home when you went back to Newton Falwell? Well, not went well, back, but went to Newton Falwell. Yeah, I, it felt felt comfortable straight away. It felt like a, uh, felt like where I ought to be. It felt like somewhere that I wanted to be. It felt like somewhere I was wanted. It felt just, it was just a great environment to be in. And it all came about, <clears throat> you know, at the, earlier in 2012, uh, I'd had a phone call from a recruitment company. Little did I know at the time, it was actually, I think, David Spatman's recruitment company approaching me saying, you know, we've got an opportunity coming up, would you be interested? And I kind of you know, brushed it off and said, oh, no, didn't tell me where. No, I'm all right, I'm, I'm perfectly settled with what I'm doing. Um, thank you for my time, and, and that was that. <clears throat> then uh, a, a free appointment, really. I went to a, a valuation on Hadley Close on Barraby Lodge. Really nice five, six-bedroomed house. Um, and, and, I, and I walked into the appointment. We'd, we'd kind of got a signed contract there. And then 
um, I was working for a previous employer, and I walked out the door, and uh, another great operator, Jason Treadwell, was coming oh, in. The Treadmaster. Yeah, the Treadmaster, yeah. yeah. He, was, he was following me in, and we'd, we'd sort of spoken candidly, but that was kind of it, really. Um, and, and we stood outside the front, and as arrogant as it sounds, it wasn't meant this way. I said, I don't know if you're going to do any good in the appointment. I've got a contract signed here. Um, this was you know, sort of the way the conversation went. And we just, we, we kind of had each other's numbers and we kept talking a little bit. We'd sort of worked on a couple of listings that were joint listings where we needed to work together and collaboratively. Um, and, and I think from what I'm told as well, you know, Gavin was also quite a, a fan of sort of saying, well, you need to get probably Tony in. So it felt like somewhere I was wanted. It felt like you were falling into a job which was just sort of custom made for you. So how were the first three or four years at Newton Fallowell? Well, fantastic. Just the best. You know, I, I, I remember the, the team was brilliant. You know, we used to do all sorts, which were not just, you know, uh, you know, successes on the football pitch, if you like, but off the football pitch as well, you know, with, with sort of evenings together. We, you know, it was just, it was an amazing time, you know, working with some fantastic people. And I'll chuck into that name as well, Stuart Richards, who's with Purple Bricks, I believe, uh, now. Um, you know, he was a very good leader and gave us, um, gave us all the autonomy we needed to be able to sort of deliver, but was a watchful and, 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 and was a great sort of mentor and leader, really. Um, so, you know, it was a very, very good time. And, um, you know, Stuart decided that, that uh, the, the, the animal wasn't for him anymore and he went on his way. Um, How did that happen? Because the, amount, the number of people that where someone leaves the firm who's an important and it's almost business as usual and they don't mm. talk about it. Did they mm. talk about that or was it kind of swept under the carpet? Yeah, a little bit, I think. I mean, I was kind of natural succession. I don't know if that's what the right wording is, but, you know, it's your branch now. And, and you know, that's, that wasn't the case for long because it didn't fit right for me as a value of being out of the office from sort of 10, 10, 30 in the morning until six at night and everything else. And trying to manage an office remotely is impossible, I believe. Um, but yeah, you know, what was great about people like Stuart is he was a fantastic listener, very good with his clients, uh, very experienced, very knowledgeable, particularly on new builds. I mean, new build knowledge beyond anything I've ever known um, and learned a lot from him as well. So you, you found out that managing is not necessarily your best thing. You preferred actually dealing with the customers, yeah. getting the house on the market, getting them yeah. sold. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an impossible job to split unless you are there more than you're not. Um, when you're out of the way for 10, well, from 10 till 6, um, you know, you might have the opportunity to nip back and it's literally nip back in. It's very difficult to manage that, you know, from a, a remote location like you can't. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, I, I, I don't think I've dealt with it particularly well. I had uh, a lot of sleepless nights about it. You know, I remember dealing with it. It wasn't just obviously the, you know, the management aspects for staff, but there's customer complaints coming on top of that. And, you know, it... it Possibly for a period of time, maybe quite ill. Uh, I remember, you know, I'm not a, not a sicky type of person. I can't remember how many days I've had off in my nine years at Newton Fellow, but I bet I can count them on sort of two fingers. And, and it just applied this sort of pressure, which just made me yeah, suffer a little bit. And I, and I wasn't enjoying it. wasn't enjoying it at all. How long before they realised and actually you went back to full-time valuing? Uh, not long. Five, six months, I dare say. I'm with you. Um, I would say... There, you know, probably the staff had recognised that you know it wasn't my bag, and I think they were probably you know, whilst they're very experienced individuals, they probably still want coercing and guiding and delivering, but they were still experienced and to be able to deliver on, okay. the, on the back of the scenes. 
So you were back to what you loved, which is basically sitting in people uh, in homeowners' mm. room, uh, front rooms mm. on the on a sofa like yeah. this, talking to them, yeah. enjoying the job. It really could have gone on forever, couldn't it? Could have gone on forever. Could have gone on forever. And I tried to bring, I think, some different aspects to it as well. I mean, I'll talk a bit about the client journey earlier on, but for me, what I wanted to be sure of was a valuer who was being paid a small commission on exchange and a, um, you know, a, a sort of a if I hit a certain number of listings, I'd get paid an extra uh, bit of commission. Um, I wanted to make sure that the company was one of the first names that people were thinking of when they were looking at selling their home. Um, so, you know, how do you do that is usually the question next, because, of course, <clears throat> the average, according to Zoopla recently, the average person in the East Midlands stays in their home for 17.9 years. Well, a lot changes in 17.9 years in terms of selling a home. A lot mm -hmm. changes in that time in a lot of people's lives. Um, so I started to deliver and add video content to the listings um, because I thought, well, do you know what, if I'm talking to the market about our new stuff coming to the market all the time, it puts the brand out there, puts the name out there. And then when people are in that period of time, that three or four days where they're thinking about choosing an agent in the 17.9 years, maybe we'll get the call. It's interesting that you said you took on the use of video in the state agency. You took that off your own bat. I mean, not, not a lot of agents would do that. What made you do that? Did you okay. ask for permission or did you just start? Just started. Just started. Nobody's ever asked me once to put together a video for you know, any brand I've worked for. Um, I'd seen um, a lot going on with the way other industries were turning their attention to video. And I thought, there's got to be something we can do here. Social media has become a big thing. You know, it's, it, this we're talking about now sort of five years ago. So social media become a big thing. There was a lot going on with, uh, you know, I'd drop my car in for service. I'd get a video back about what was wrong with it. <clears throat> you know, I was doing post-video valuations. Sorry, post-valuation videos, should I say, uh, where I would sort of perhaps just send them a quick one-minute, one-and-a-half-minute video just summarising what we'd said and, and thanking them very much for the time. And I thought, you know what? This could be easily adapted to, to outside of the property. And this is how we met. You know, I remember you walking into the office bold as brass and, and introducing yourself to me after you'd seen the first one I did on Hudson Way. Um, that was a long time ago. That was chapter one. You know, five years ago, a lot's changed in the way I do that now. But um, it just seemed to me to be this thing. And, and what I recognised was that vendors loved it. Vendors absolutely loved it because it was different. You know, every agent's very vanilla, aren't they? We do right move, we do Zoopla, we do floor plan, but yada, yada, yada. It could be the same, same company, different colours, and, and, and what the video did is it differentiated us. Because memory says you well, I, I, these are my figures, but I believe that your market share grew from around 8% in the town to somewhere in the mid-teens. Yeah, I think it was slightly greater than 8%. I remember, you remember the old for sale sign analysis yes, company? Uh, I seem to recall <coughs> we, we used to have sort of 20 plus percent, 22, 23% kind of market share of sold boards. A little bit inaccurate, aren't they? Because, of course, some sold boards go missing. Some sold boards aren't changed from okay. for sale at the time when the, the account's done. But, yeah, we, we certainly grew. And, and what became very clear to me was that the, the distance between ourselves as the market-leading agent and agent two dramatically increased. What was particularly interesting is, is that you almost got too busy at one point and you stopped doing the videos. Yeah, it's strange really. Now looking back on it, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, doing a video for each property and when you're listing 30, 35, 40 a month is not an easy task because it takes time, it takes effort, it takes a lot of things. 
Um, I think I got a little bit camera shy at one point. I think I got a little bit sort of, I don't know, you know like I said, probably too busy where you're sort of thinking, do you know what, this will do as an alternative. You know, you, obviously you always say to me, done beats perfect. And I was thinking, well, you know, at least it's something okay. done. Yeah, you, would drop, you fell into the trap of moving images. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and nowhere near as engaging. Nowhere near as engaging. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot you can do with social media to push this to an audience. But it, 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 what, what, I, what I learned further down the line was that people like the video, not for the fact that you're just showing them a house. Is it, gets, it gets them sort of getting to know you a little bit or like you a little bit or trust you a little bit. Uh, they get to know the sort of person that's going to turn up at their door. Because it's very interesting is, is that, I mean, I'm a Grantham chap myself and everybody knows you. But that didn't come overnight, did it? No, it didn't. It didn't. And I remember walking down and, oh, you do doing videos on social media. I've done three or four and I was thinking, what the hell, this is how you do it. You know, all you've got to do is put your face out there a little bit. And, but but it, it doesn't come overnight. You know, that, that sort of returning it into a new set of evaluations to turn to a new set of instructions doesn't come overnight. You've got to be relentless with it. You do have to be. Are we talking months or possibly even years? Years, without a doubt. So anybody watching this now really ought to start because they'll start seeing the benefit in 12, 18, 24 months' time, I dare say. I think it depends on the type of content you put out there as well. Now, because I was busy, the type of content I covered out there at the time was very property-specific on, on that particular property. Uh, and there's a lot more that can be done above and beyond all that, which I want to move towards um, to give people value. Well, I mean, you, you did, you, you, for the last 12 months, you've been doing, since lockdown, you've been doing those other videos where you interview local people. We'll come on to those a little mm. later. When did things start to change where you think to yourself, actually, I want to do something, I want to... I mean, what, what made you think to yourself, things need to change? I don't know if there was a particular moment that or, I can draw back to. Or was it a kind of, like, you never, there's never a time where you fall in love with your other half. It kind of just, it just it happens. Progresses. Yes. Well, there's a story about my other half, and I can t tell you a bit about that in a second. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint specifics. I think what became evident to me was that, um, you know, in fair play to Mark, you know, we managed to find a buyer for his business probably four or five years ago now. Um, and you know, it, it meant that the, the, the way the company was formed and structured, I suppose, was changed subtly, not, not massively. It didn't turn into this beast overnight, just turned subtly. Um, and, and I suppose it just sort of meant that we lost a little bit of that, family? that culture, that family, that, I don't know what it is. It, it, it became a little bit more, there was a lot of people, I think, who wanted to make their own noise that it was about them and, and the team feeling kind of dissipated. Um, you know, I found that you know, it would become um, maybe not the... It wasn't as exciting going into work every morning. You know, um, it wasn't as... It, it didn't quite... You know, I was still excited about going out to value. I was still excited about putting hours on the market and getting the, you know, okay. doing the best of the client. But maybe that time... Um, so really, you love you loved the... T t post 10.30 when you're out with the punters, yeah. but the 8.30 to 10.30, yeah. how did that make you feel? Oh, we, you, you kind of just knuckle down and get on with it, don't you? You have to, because that's, that, that's what you're committed to do. You know, you, they're paying you a wage every month to, to be there. And decent wage. And, and a very decent wage, yeah. It was a, it was a good wage. And, and, you know, three years ago, um, I nearly moved at that time to, to another company. Um, a lot was promised. Don't think it actually would have ever come to anything if I'd made the decision. And to be fair to, to, to David Spackman, David Newton, Mark Newton particularly, 
they did an awful lot to make my time at Newton Fellow all sort of work, um, you know, which included sort of a restructuring of, of working times and everything else, and took weekends away and everything, which was brilliant. I can't thank them enough for that because at the time I just had my little boy uh, who's just turned three, and um, you know, I've, I've had some brilliant times with him over the weekends, which I perhaps wouldn't have done if I hadn't looked at doing something a couple of years ago. But then surely if the, you were given special treatment because it's super Tony, how did the other valuers in the office feel that you know, they were almost picking your sack up? Yeah, I think I think it did. It left a weight behind it. There's no two ways about it. I think whilst it was never sort of talked of and it was never sort of brought in front, if you like, I think there was this, what, you know, why? Why for him? There was, there was benefits to the staff, I think, at the time, because actually what the staff all used to do was every other Saturday, and it then moved to a schedule which was every third Saturday. So arguably they did get a benefit out of it, but you know, I'm saying I expect thanks for that. But it just perhaps highlighted that Saturdays were important to a lot of the staff, that they made that change to placate as many as possible. Um, I do think estate agency has changed dramatically as well in the last four or five years. I think you know, I, was, I was at a conference only only recently, and I was asked what do I think estate agency will look like in 20 years was the question onto a camera to be able to give, and I guess they'll get that out of the time vault in 20 years' time and look back what people are saying. Um, but I think, you know, in my mind, the estate agency was changing. It was different. You know, it was, there was a, a different opportunity that was starting to come to the fore. When did you kind of think to yourself, things need to change then? I know you said it was a slow thing and yeah. you, were, you weren't enjoying it. What, what was the first step that you made? And where, and where did Sarah come in on this? Sarah's always been very, as I said, super supportive. Um, I think what I started to note more than anything else was that um, you know, from the social media presence, there was people making direct contact with me via Facebook and other, other platforms and sending you a friend request or a message which goes into your, your message requests. It's somewhere I check every day now because you have to be sure. Um, and it was just people saying to me, Tony, I want to put my house on the market. You know, there was no, no, no obstruction from, I want you to come out as one of my three. It was just, Tony's got a house to sell, I want you to sell it. See, because you were doing all these videos, people were contacting you direct to put their house on the market. Mm. When, and the pen, did the penny drop one day or? Yeah, it was post lockdown one. So I think I returned to work after furlough on the 18th of May, 2020. And um, I think in the month after that, obviously it was super busy anyway, the market was really heating up before the stamp duty holiday came along. And I think in the one month there was six or seven came into my inbox of similar. And I sort of looked at the values of these houses and looked at the fees and thought, it's like 24,000 pound of fees then. I'll get 240 quid when it's all done. So what did, what did Sarah say about this then? I sat and talked with her in great detail about... Because you only just bought your house, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. And it's scary as hell. Yeah. Well, there was a, there was a couple of ducks about to get in order from a personal point of view. That's probably, probably what slowed the process down, okay. if I'm being honest. This could have been happening a year ago. It would have been an interesting time to launch post-pandemic. Um, but you know, we had some certain personal ducks to put in order, which would also give us the opportunity to be able to um, look at what we could do with our future. My wife's, a, um, she won't like the word, an entrepreneur as well. She's got her own self, you know, she's a self-employed business as well. Um, so she, she understands what's what, and I kind of just highlighted to her two benefits really. One was that, you know, how I think I might be able to buy back some time 
uh, for the kids. You know, I had a dawning moment in November 20, um, 2020, um, where I sort of looked at it and thought, my little girl's eight years old. You know, half of her childhood is done, and it's gone in the blink of an eye. And like I said, I've got a little boy now who's three just in May, and I want to make sure that those years with the kids are as enjoyable as they can be. I, wanna, I don't want to be known as dad had to work to put food on the table all the time. And I want to give the time at the time that suits them. And I think that's where, again, I've noticed a big change in, in, in the working patterns. This is, again, probably a post-COVID thing. Um, that you can still do a good day's work. It just doesn't have to be 8.30 till 6. It could be 7 till half past 8. Take my little girl to school, which is a highlight of my week. And then back at it from sort of 9 o'clock onwards when the house is quiet, everybody's out. And you can pick up the kids if you want. So, you know, it just works. It, there's, there's much better ways, I think, to be able to... Uh, engage a day's appointments it doesn't all have to be 8 30 till 6. but what was the penny that dropped with sarah with all this sarah told me that i needed to believe in myself she told me that i needed to um have the courage of my conviction she understood she saw people contacted her about me going to put their house on the market you know so it wasn't just and sarah's real, really well connected not just in grantham but to Melton, the villages in between the vale and we'd get requests all the time for people who are sort of in melton area but of course, because it's a franchise operation at Newton Fellowell, that meant that there would be a you know, referral to the Melton branch or to the Bingham branch, uh, but not something I could get involved in. Um, so Sarah taught me that I just needed to believe that you know, things wouldn't automatically stop, the tap wouldn't turn off just because I wasn't where I was known to be working. Uh, and I think arguably because people were approaching me directly, it wasn't about Newton Fellowell and having Tony out, it was about having Tony out. So what made, what, when did you make the decision, let's do this, to start your own agency? I think the honest answer is it probably, the seed was set probably in later part of 2019. Okay. I'd seen some noise about of different possibilities and opportunities um, under a self-employed umbrella, and there's lots of them about. It's not just the sort of two you automatically think of had some conversations, seemed a bit too good to be true. And, um, you know, furlough came about. <clears throat> um, it's a strange time because I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed spending that nine weeks with real close contact with my wife and kids. And, you know, we don't fall out as a family anyway, but to spend that time educating my little girl, again, made me realise just what I was missing. Um, because whilst I might be you know, working hard, obviously, for listing those houses till 8 9 o'clock at night the only people that were suffering in my life at that time were my wife and kids you know but spending that that exclusive nine week period probably reinforced to me that do you know what, i think there's more out there that i could do so i think the penny really drops i think i'd sort of in my mind committed this was going to happen during lockdown back in march april 2020. can you remember when you handed your notice in yes Anticipation, scared, fearful. Yeah, interesting times. Um, uh, surely, sure, you know, surely, because you know I've known you for years, and you can, you can, you can have your misses and everyone else tell you you're wonderful, but it, you can't silence that voice in your head, can you? Yeah. Were you having sleepless nights? Because um, you know, as the male, you're kind of. Yeah, there's an expectation, isn't there, to bring yeah. bread to the table. 
I think um, once I could see on paper that how this could work, there was probably quite a lot of anticipation, excitement. Yes, it was very daunting as well. I remember waking up on the morning, um, sent an email within 10 minutes, laid in bed saying, can we have a Zoom call today um, to um, the chairman and the managing director? And I had an email back very quickly saying, yep, what time is fine for you? And we had the conversation later that afternoon. And, and I, think they, I think they knew it was coming. I, I'd, I'd never made any, uh, I'd never hidden the fact um, that I had my ambitions and my plans and what I wanted yeah. to do. I think for the for previous 12 months or so, they, they knew it was something I was sort of really... Do you think they could have done on. anything differently? Um, no, I, I, I don't think so. And, and, I, and, I, and I dare say I've asked myself the question that, and they've probably asked themselves that question as well. I don't think so. I think the time was right for them to bring somebody else in that they think can do a good job for them um, because I felt that you know that my kind of pathway was going this way and theirs was perhaps going in a slightly opposite direction and it just felt like the right time for all parties in my opinion they may well say differently um, but we've left on really really great ground because if you don't mind me saying you had a three-month notice period and they actually not they're not made you but it's very rare but you were out valuing almost to the last day, weren't you? Up until May the 27th. That was my last valuing day, if you like. I think everyone noticed on March the 18th. You must obviously think a lot of you that you know you're not going to do the dirty on them. I hope so. I've got a huge amount of respect and trust for them. You know, landing that job back in 2013 was like a dream come true. It was a real privilege and honour to represent them as well for, for, like I said, for the thick end of nine years. I really enjoyed the, the progress we made. I really enjoyed what it's done for developing myself. I really, I just really enjoyed real great experience I wouldn't knock it at all the the key for me was that we dealt with things in a really um, honorable um, grown-up fashion you know we both knew what we wanted out of the the exit um, and we've both been both parties have been very respectful of each other and, and the wishes out of that as well and there's obviously a period of time where we've agreed we're not going to you know, push each other's boundaries in terms of what they're listing and what I'm after and vice versa, which I think is incredible. Um, and, I've, and I've gone with a, a great amount of thanks and well wishes, which I think is uh, was very important for me, particularly from those um, like the Mark Newtons, the David Spatmans, the David Newtons. All great people. Great people, fantastic people. And, and you know, if, if anybody out there is um, ever in question about working for Newton Fellow, I'll do it, because you'll really enjoy it. So now you've set up your own estate agency, Tony interesting colour that you've chosen, lovely pink, similar to your tea socks, very Maybe. similar. Um, what does the future hold for Tony Ruby? It's a great question. Um, one question that I'm probably sort of banging around in my head is, am I mad? But do you know what? There's, there's in my mind, there's, there's, well, no, there's plenty of agents in Grantford have come and gone. Um, so again, that's why I asked the question, am I mad? But I do believe that the future is about delivering service of a certain quality that is very difficult for any other agent to replicate because they, they're based around volume. <coughs> um, in my mind, there's um, you know, people love, people don't move that often, so it's not an experience they go through very often. And they need advice, they need guidance, they want your help. 
They want to trust you. They want to be able to build a relationship with you. What I want to build is an estate agency service, and I'm not a fan of the word bespoke, but a personal estate agency service where you become their go-to person. You become the person they can trust, the person that is seen, the person who will hold their hand right from the start all the way through to the end. So what would your message be to Grantham homeowners? I think the message to Grantham homeowners is this. Um, I believe they deserve the best and the easiest transition from one home to another. It's a very difficult process getting from A to B. And it can have its ups and it can have its downs. We, we know that. But I think what, they, what people expect and would like is somebody who can give them honest, right advice from the outset. No bravado, no bull. This is what we need to do to get you to that next goal and, and help them on their journey, get them on the way to their next family home, whether that be in the Grantham area, whether that be in the villages nearby. But there'll be people who are coming out of the first time buyer home into the family market in the Grantham area, and there'll be a lot of Grantham families who will be, you know, been in their house for 20 years and are going out the other end of it. And, and I think there's a real opportunity for a Grantham man like myself, who's a family man, to help those Grantham families make that move. Tony, if we're watching this video back in 2025, what does, what does happiness look like for you? Uh, happiness in my mind is the opportunity to look back with a great amount of pride and, and honour at the people I've helped move. I think from a personal perspective, it's also the opportunity as well to be able to help my parents through their retirement. I think it's also the opportunity to help my mother-in-law through her retirement, to be able to give the kids what they need, what they want, and if they've got ambitions and plans to head on to university and to do these other things, to be able to support them through that. Tony, thank you for your time today. I've got a great feeling that you'll hit those goals in 2025 and beyond with the support of Sarah and your family, the people of Grantham, and the wider estate agency population who I know love you to bits. So thank you for your time today. You've been inspirational. And I hope you have enjoyed the story today of, of Tony Ruby. And it is our intention for us to touch base with him every once in a while, because uh, he'll be back in Grantham. And we'll do the journey on the understanding that there'll be warts and all, goods and baddies. Oh, absolutely. I believe in that wholeheartedly. Thank, thank you for you. your time today. And thanks for having me.